0: hi friends are you guys planning on going to the g3 conference coming up on september 21st until the 23rd well you guys can get a 30% off when you use our discount code g3opel g3opel you can register now by going on the link here in the description i can't wait to see you guys there Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Buckaloo. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode. It's always a joy to have you guys join me. If you are new to our podcast, welcome. We're so happy that you're here. I hope that uh, you are encouraged by today's testimony. And if you're new, or if you guys are some of our regular listeners, I would like to uh, stay connected with you guys. And the way that we can do that is by following us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even on TikTok. You can find some of the clips that we share on TikTok. And the easiest way for you to do that is to go on the link here in the description. Uh, You can do that after this episode. And today we do have another special guest. We have Justin Peters joining us. I'm so excited for you guys to hear his testimony. Maybe some of you are familiar with his ministry, the Justin Peters Ministries, or maybe some of you had the opportunity to read his testimony or listen to his testimony somewhere else uh, online. So I'm really excited if you are, uh, if you're not familiar with uh, him and his ministry, I'm really excited for you guys to get to know him and just hear his testimony of salvation and uh, what the Lord has been doing in his life, what the Lord is continuing to do in his life and life and ministry. And at the end of this episode you guys can actually go on the link here on the description to, to find Justin and his ministry and to learn more about it and get familiar and just see what uh, the Lord is doing through his ministry as well. So thank you guys again. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that this is a blessing and here is my conversation with Justin. All right, everyone. So I am here with Justin. Justin, thank you so much for joining me. It's It is such a joy to finally be able to have you on the podcast. <laughs>
1: Oh, you're so welcome, Arlie. It's my privilege to be able to come on. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Well, thank you for joining me. I was actually an in introduction. I was sharing a little bit about how I came across your testimony. I had already like um, heard about you and your ministry, but uh, Doreen Virtue, she shared a link to, I believe it was like an article or a blog um, where I had the opportunity to read your testimony. And at that time, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I really, I, I really want to, to have him to, to come and share. And uh, first I met you at G3. Then we met uh, again uh, during Shepherds conference where I had the opportunity to meet you along with uh, Jim and Josh that I was just telling you a couple of minutes ago that we also released uh, their episode a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So uh, it's been such a joy to get to know them um, and now to, you know, to be able to get to know you and Find out more of what the Lord is doing in your life and how the Lord is using your ministry. So it, it is a joy to to have you finally here.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, Arlene. Yeah, Jim and Josh are, are two two of my two of my best friends. Are just both really great guys, super guys.
0: Yeah, they, it was it was such an, a, a just a wonderful time to get to know them too. And I know that you used to go to um, Jim's church before. Mm-hmm. right okay yep. so we're gonna, I yep. want to hear a little bit about that and a little bit I know that Josh is uh in his church in the same church um uh, and uh, I remember that he shared how he came to actually know you know to to know the Lord and I know that you had a, an impact in that and it was just really nice to to hear that just how the Lord used you even for in his own life so I, I just I just love uh you know hearing testimony I know that like here at my church uh, when we do baptism, you know, I think one of the precious times is when uh, we get to hear part of their testimony, you know, it's like very, it's very short, but e- yet just to hear how everyone comes from a different background. Some of the people come from a very dramatic, some other come from not a very dramatic background, you know, but at the end of the day, we all acknowledge that we are sinners and we need Christ without Christ. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, and it is because of Christ that we're you know now united we're united in christ and uh we are a family in christ and and that is just uh just a a precious gift from the lord that we have the church we have one another and just to get to know one another um that's what i love also of just sitting here and just hearing um the life that some of the people had but yet how the lord is glorified through all of it yeah
1: yes absolutely absolutely
0: so, uh, just to begin, I like to have my, I guess, just to give us a little background about their upbringing, um, as much as you can remember, you know, as far, as far back as you can go, just, uh, your family, what you're raised in a believing home. Uh, yeah, just give us a picture of what was life like for you growing up and with your family.
1: Yes. Uh, well, as I heard a friend of mine say one time, I was born at a very early age and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I uh, was born in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Uh, my parents—I have one sister, uh, just one sibling, so it was the two of us. And my parents still live in the same home that we were raised in, and uh, still married to each other, still love each other. So, kind of the picture of stability there.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, was was reared in a, a Southern Baptist church, um, uh, and along with that, a lot of the the trappings of the Southern Baptist. Um, a typical Southern Baptist church that I, I didn't see at the time, but, but now I do. And um, uh, certainly the, the basics of the gospel were there. Uh, but as, as is typical in Southern Baptist churches, you, kids get baptized at very early ages. Uh, if, if you attend a Southern Baptist church, then you know that uh, if, you're, if you're nine years old in a SBC church and you haven't been baptized yet, then you're, you're over the hill. And so um, I made a profession of faith when I was seven. And I, I knew all the basics of the gospel. You know, I could answer the basic questions. Do you believe Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe he died on the cross and was raised from the dead? Yes, yes, yes. I believed all those things. Um, but there's a big difference between a childlike faith and a childish faith. So um, I had a child, childish faith, but not a childlike faith. And so I I knew the basics. I mean, I believed in Jesus, but at age seven, I also believed in Santa Claus. He was real to me too, and uh, which kind of it kind of lays some of the groundwork for a book that I wrote a few years ago entitled "Do Not Hinder Them: A Biblical Examination of Childhood Conversion." Some of the precautions that we should take with children before we rush them off into the baptistry, but. Anyway, I, I, I can answer all the questions and, uh, and I was baptized, but I was not converted. I uh, was not converted. You want me to give my full testimony now, or just, just that background.
0: Tell me, yeah. Tell me more about what it was like to grow up in that, uh, even like your family, um, you know, how were they teaching you? Were they teaching you the gospel at home? How were they confronting sin in your life? Um, what was the dynamic with the family church and for you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, my, my parents are two of the, all familial biases aside. I know it's, you know, kind of an inherent bias with your own parents, but all of that aside, uh, I think anybody who would, who knows my parents would tell you that, um, Robert and Sandra Peters, my parents are two of the nicest, kindest, people that you would ever ever want to meet um just just top-notch top-notch folks and I love them dearly um but as far as like um the the spiritual climate growing up it was the best way I know to describe it is very very southern baptist with all of those trappings uh Mm -hmm. there was not there was not true expositional preaching it was very topical preaching just kind of surfacy, I mean, nothing heretical, but, um, but nothing in depth e- either, and, and looking back with the hindsight that I have now, I can see that a lot of it was very, the preaching was very shallow, uh, a lot of uh, verses taken out of context. Uh, as I said, children were baptized very, very early ages. Uh, there was no plurality of elders, which the Bible teaches and prescribes, uh, that was not there. It was just the pastor and and then the deacons, and it was a congregational uh, polity of, of of ecclesiology there in the, in the in that church, typical of Southern Baptist churches. So, you know, very decisional regeneration, of course, very Arminian, very very much an emphasis on free will. Uh, church discipline was unheard of, uh, just foreign. I mean, nobody, you know, we thought when in matthew 18 when jesus said where two or three are gathered together in my name i am there in their midst uh we all thought that was talking about like wednesday night prayer meeting because that's where we would always hear it was on wednesday night prayer meeting and the pastor would say well uh where jesus jesus said where two or three are gathered together in his name he is there in their midst so we we have more than two or three gathered here tonight so we know jesus is with us and you know, I heard that hundreds of times when I was a kid. And even as a kid, I can always remember thinking, well, what about if I'm by myself? You know, is Jesus not there with me then? If I'm by myself, do I have to have two or three gathered together before I know Jesus is there? And so even as a kid, I had these questions. But uh, anyway, that, of course, that's that Jesus is talking about church discipline in the context, not uh, Wednesday night prayer meetings. So uh, so, I mean, very nice people, but just, just, um, theologically not, not much depth there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was never any kind of, uh, teaching on examining yourself to see if you're in the faith,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for example,
0: yeah.
1: uh, second Corinthians 13, five, that, that was never talked about, uh, repentance. The word was used, but not. It never explained, never explained actually what it is. What does it look like? Uh, how does repentance come? You know, is it something we do or is it something God does? Of course it, it was always couched in terms of something that we would do, yeah. but it was just a, an intellectual ascent and, that, and that's the extent of it. So um, yeah, so nice people, well-meaning, but, but theologically not a lot of depth there.
0: How would you say then that what was the impact that this had in your life then like uh, what is the course of your life from there on
1: well uh i, I guess i would say because of that lack of depth uh and, and and never any instruction to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith i just kind of rocked along um thinking i was a christian because i prayed the quote-unquote sinner's prayer and I asked Jesus into my heart to use that lingo and I got baptized when I was seven. And so you're just, you're in the club. That's, that's, it's baptism in the Southern Baptist church is more of a, it's more of a rite of passage than it and it is an actual display of an inward change that has been wrought by the Holy spirit of God through conviction of sin and surrender of one's life to the Lordship of Christ. It's, so it's just a, a rite of passage. And uh, mm-hmm. but because I, prayed the prayer and walked the aisle and got baptized. I assumed I was a Christian and I was, uh, I mean, I guess as, as kids go, I was, you know, a relatively nice guy. Uh, I was, my personality is such that I was just, I was not kind of, I was not the outwardly rebellious kind. I mean, I wasn't out painting the town and <laughs> you know paint the town red or whatever right. and, and uh and doing all that but that that doesn't mean that i, I my heart was still not as uh, wicked as anyone else's and mm-hmm. and uh and it and it was i was i was unregenerate um as i said i guess a fairly fairly polite you know i had i had good manners my mom and dad taught me to have i said ma'am and sir to adults and people who are older than, than I and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but regeneration had not taken place and, and everybody else was, you know, they were, most of my friends were also Southern Baptist. And, and so they were, we were just kind of all in that uh, theological tunnel vision, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought we were okay because we prayed the Sinner's prayer. Um, so in, in high school, high school is when I was first introduced to the word of faith movement, the prosperity gospel Mm -hmm. and a neighbor of mine just down the road, his name was Charlie. uh, Nice guy, but, but very, very, very charismatic. And and he went to our church, Southern Baptist church, which was theoretically not a charismatic church, theoretically, but, but uh, Charlie was a member and he was very active. And he was always getting dreams from God, always getting visions. God talked to him all the time all the time. Yeah. And uh, God uh, God apparently told him one day, told Charlie that I was going to be healed as long as I had enough faith. And so Charlie started talking to me about a faith healer named Nora Lamb, L-A-M. A healed woman. from
0: what? Sorry. Healed from oh, what? Oh, yeah.
1: I guess I should say that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I
0: would like to know <laughs> more about that. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to be healed yeah. from?
1: <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. Good question. I, I, I shouldn't <laughs> assume that. Cerebral palsy cerebral palsy. I was, I was born with CP. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I walk on crutches. I can do crutches for a short distance, but, um, I get tuggered out pretty quick and I mm-hmm. drag my feet. And so I use a, an electric scooter for longer distances. And, uh, so, uh, see the CP cerebral palsy is a odd condition in that it can, it has a wide range of effects, uh, levels of severity. Some people with CP have a very, very light case, and you wouldn't even really know it, that they even had CP unless they told you. But on the other end of the spectrum, it can be very severe, uh, far worse than the case that I have, far, far worse. It can be uh, physically just absolutely devastating, where you can't do anything for yourself. You can't hold a pencil. You can't give yourself a drink of water. And a lot of people with CP have their speech affected, yeah. it's very difficult to understand them when they speak um it it doesn't affect your intelligence at all so you know some people with severe cp the some folks might assume that they're um you know mentally retarded just because of, of the way they look and the way they talk but they're not at all they're they've got they're just as intelligent as anyone else they're just trapped in a body that they can't control so um All things considered, I have a, I guess, a moderate case of CP, and um, if it if it was any worse than the case that I have, I wouldn't be able to do what I do and traveling around and preaching and teaching. So,
0: yeah, one of my friends has the same. um, One of my best friends here, um, she also has not as severe. Uh, Her name is Rhiannon. I also had her on the podcast, so um, she also she was born like that. Also, yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm very grateful that it's not any worse than it it could, could have been, but, uh, so yeah, so that's what I was uh, wanting to be healed from was cerebral palsy. And so, uh, Charlie told me about Nora Lamb. She was scheduled to come to my hometown of Vicksburg, Mississippi. That's where we lived. And, uh, Mm -hmm. she was coming to the Holiday Inn there in town to have a healing crusade. And, um, a lot of dramatic tales are told about Nora Lamb. She told a dramatic life story. And I found out many years later that pretty much everything she said about herself was a lie. Uh, Of course, I didn't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the weeks leading up to Nora Lamb's arrival, Charlie, this neighbor of mine, spent a lot of time with me. He would have me over to his house to teach me scripture and uh, pray over me. And uh, he would talk in tongues and but he would show me verses that I now know he was taking out of context, and I don't even know if he knew he was doing that. But, mm. but, um, but verses like Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, by his stripes we are healed. Third John 2, beloved, I pray that in all things you may prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. John 10, ten I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And so, you know, the abundant life is a life without sickness is a life without disease. You know, you can't have an abundant life if you're crippled. And, and, um, so, uh, I knew nothing about hermeneutics at age 16. I didn't, had never even heard the word hermeneutics. And so he had me completely convinced that I was going to be healed. And so I went to see Nora Lamb and some other faith healers, but fully expecting to be healed. And, and of course I wasn't. So that was, that was my first exposure to the word of faith movement, which I now teach against. Um, But the very fact, Arlie, that, that I was wanting to go see faith healers, you know, with the hindsight that I have now, that in and of itself should have been a red flag that something was wrong with me spiritually, because The very fact that I was going to see faith healers was an indication that I was discontent with my handicap. You know, Mm -hmm. um, now I was born with my handicap. I've never known anything different. So it's normal for me. I think I can honestly say I've never been bitter about it, but, but at the same time uh, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be able to do all the things that my friends were doing. I wanted to run. I wanted to, drive which at the time I couldn't I can now but at the time I didn't think I'd ever be able to and uh, so that's why I went to see faith healers and so that should have been a red flag that there's something wrong in my with me spiritually I was seeking out faith healers yeah. and I, I guess is another kind of a, a sad uh, testimony or indication to the lack of depth there at the, at the church that I attended again very nice people but um no one had the theological wherewithal to come up to me and sit down with me and say, Justin, you shouldn't be going to see Norah Lamb. You shouldn't be going to see faith healers. This stuff is not real. Here's why it's not real. Let's look at this in scripture. Um, n- nobody had the theological wherewithal to do that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I went to went to see the faith healers, and I think there were people – that were skeptical, um, but, but nobody could reason from the scriptures. And so, Mm -hmm. anyway, just another indication of just the lack of depth.
0: Yeah. And so what happens after that, then like, do you start then joining their church, going to to their church? Like what is the course of your life from there on? Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, so that was at age 16. And and so then just a couple of years later at age 18, I go to college and uh, one year community college, which wasn't too far from my home. So I came home on the weekends. But then the next year I went to Mississippi State University and enrolled there. And that was about three hours away. So I lived there in college at Mississippi State. And um, I, I joined a church there, a Baptist church in Starkville, Mississippi, and uh, was active in that church, but I was still unregenerate. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that I was, but I was. Um, after college, then I enrolled in seminary. And believe it or not, not only did I go to seminary, but I actually graduated from seminary as an unconverted person. Wow. Um, I had an interest in scripture, but uh, in hindsight, a lot of that centered around the, the faith healing kind of stuff that I went to. But I did have an interest in it, and um, so I got a Master of Divinity, Master of Theology from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, I wrote my master's thesis on Benny Hinn and uh, went to some Benny Hinn Crusades as part of the research and, and actually started to preach some and teach against the Word of Faith movement, and some churches heard about my research, and so um, I was actually traveling to different churches and teaching against the word faith movement unconverted. Um,
0: so wait, but so I cannot... were you teaching against the uh, word of faith movement before you were saved or were you teaching yes. in faith? Oh, you were before yes. being saved?
1: Yes. I was wow. teaching against it before I was saved. Yes. Oh, wow. So, uh, and, and for the most part, for the most part, what I was teaching was was Right. Um my, I, my teaching, by God's grace, has improved a lot, I trust, uh, mm-hmm. since then. But for the most part, I mean, the rudimentary elements of it, what I was teaching was right. But uh, Arlie, I, I never had any lasting assurance of my own conversion, and, and I didn't understand why. Um, there were many times I would go to a church, and what I would teach, again, for the most part, was right, and it was right as, as far as I knew it to be. Hmm. Um, but, but then I would, I would go back to hotel room or wherever I was and, and I'd lay in bed worried that if I were to die, I'd go to hell. I never had any lasting assurance of my salvation, but I, I didn't know why. Um, it, there was, it was never a, uh, a situation which like I would get up and preach and in the back of my mind think, ah, ha, ha, this is all, you know, I'm just doing this for something to do I don't really believe this stuff it it is not that way with me it was I knew something was wrong but I didn't know what was wrong and I didn't know what to do about it Hmm. but uh, I mean I was supposed to have the answers because I had I was a graduate of seminary but Hmm. but one of the things that was always a a very uh, I, I guess probably the biggest thing for me is that I did not understand what repentance was I didn't have a right understanding of repentance. Um, I had pockets of truth in my theology. I had pockets of truth, but I couldn't. I couldn't connect the dots. Mm. And and the biggest one for me was repentance. There seemed to me to be a massive inherent contradiction within the gospel itself that I did not understand. And that was this: that salvation is not of works and that part i understood i mean i i got that you know i i understood it. i couldn't work at a soup kitchen and earn my way into heaven or help with all the ladies across the street and earth. that made sense to me yeah so salvation's not of works okay got it mm-hmm. but on the other hand in order to be saved we would tell people they had to repent mm-hmm. which was doing a work in my understanding, Mm. uh, because repentance was something that I had to do. I thought repentance was just kind of pulling myself up by my mood straps and, and willing myself to turn from certain sins, you know, just kind of, you know, muster up the gumption to do it. And so, so it it seemed to me to be this, you see what I'm saying? just a massive contradiction. How on the one hand can we say that salvation is not of works but on the other hand, in order to be saved, we tell people they've got to repent, which was doing a work.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: to me, there was this massive contradiction in the gospel that I could not understand. And, and um so uh long story short, and people can go to my website as you did and read my full testimony for all the all the details, but uh, uh what I back in 2010. Um uh, or, or I guess it was actually early, early 2011, uh, is when God truly, truly broke me and granted to me not only a um, an understanding or acknowledgement that I was a sinner. I, I mean, I had that. I knew I was a sinner. But what I didn't truly have was a godly sorrow over sin that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 7, a godly sorrow that leads... To repentance unto salvation, as he says. So that um, I, I never truly had. Um, and God using, I had just, I just gotten married, actually, a, a few months before that. And Kathy's very, very sound, very solid in her theology. And uh, and God used her in many ways to to help me to understand what true repentance is, what a godly sorrow over sin is. And, uh, and that, that happened. I can't pinpoint the day, but I think I can get it down to to a window of a few weeks there in early of 2011, when, um, when God granted that to me and, uh, I was already in ministry. And so I cleared my calendar for a whole year. I didn't go anywhere to preach in 2011. And I, I thought at the time it was just to Kind of get my bearings back and clear the cobwebs and and you know examine some things and you know figure out you know, what's going on and uh, recalibrate. But it but it wasn't um, it, it was it wasn't for a rest. It was it was actually for my salvation. Hmm. And um, another another thing that I noticed, a couple of things that I noticed, and Kathy noticed too, that there was a massive there was some massive changes in me one of which was, um, as 2011 went on, I would still from time to time watch like Benny Hinn or Kenneth Copeland, Mm -hmm. but I noticed something different that as I watched it as 2011 went on, uh, that the, the grieving that I had when I would watch this stuff changed. Like before my grieving was first and foremost for the people that were being exploited, the, the poor people, the sick people, the people in wheelchairs, the parents with sick kids. Like when I would go to a Benny Hinn crusade, that is what would grieve me, first and foremost. And that is still there, to be sure. I still grieve for these folks. But uh, my grieving now is primarily for God. And the reproach that is bring, being brought upon the name of Christ, the reproach that's being brought upon the gospel that is what grieves me now far more than um, grieving for people though to be sure that's still there but uh, mm-hmm. but it's now um, it, it's it's secondary it's secondary to my grieving for the gospel uh, I also before my conversion I used to have a real antagonism towards the doctrines of grace mm-hmm. the doctrine of election
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I did not like election it <laughs> at all uh,
0: <laughs> like many other people to still yes
1: <laughs> yes like many others I um I didn't like it you know it growing up and all throughout seminary election was always bad Calvinism's bad um we're not going to tell you why it's bad just trust us it's bad you know Calvinism <laughs> kills missions it kills evangelism and all these kind of you know red herring arguments and um So I had a real antagonism towards the doctrines of grace, Hmm. but then after my conversion, after that, uh, early 2011, that antagonism that I used to have towards God's sovereignty melted away. Hmm. It just melted away. The uh, fear that I used to have of dying and going to hell that melted away. And there were just changes, uh, that and they weren't changes that I was doing. They were they were changes that were just being done in me, and um, Kathy noticed them as well. And so as the year as the year as the months went on in 2011, with some more distance in the rearview mirror, I guess, then I began to realize that that was that was truly my conversion. That was truly my conversion. And then also I uh, that massive contradiction that I thought was in the gospel. That went away too, because I began to see that genuine repentance is in and of itself granted by God. God grants repentance. I never understood that before. God grants repentance. And so repentance is a work, but it's not a work we do. It's a work God does. It's his work. That he does, he gives to us. It's a gift given to him, and so that massive contradiction that I that I thought was in the gospel, that just that cleared up. That that was made clear to me, and so put all these things together, and and that was my that was my conversion uh, back in early 2011, and uh, and so I didn't go anywhere to preach, and um, not until the next year. Yeah. So.
0: Wow, and it's amazing just to—I mean, just hearing everything, right? Uh, you even went to seminary, all there's all the schooling that yeah. you got, and—and um, and it's one of those things that we often say, you know, like knowledge doesn't su- doesn't save you. Right. Like you, you can know, go absolutely. and get all the degree that you want, and that is not going to save you, and right. you won't like that battle that you had, you know, like that contradiction and all of that. How is it that it just it just it seems like oh it magically just disappeared but it's because the 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 Lord is the one who did the work in your heart That's He right. is the one right we, we we have nothing I think it was um Josh who said, who said that we don't contribute anything but the sin that we bring to Christ right only our That's sin right. we're going contri- uh, contributing to to our salvation and the Lord is the one who does all the work yes. we don't do anything right and we can't do anything to to save ourselves. So right. I'm I'm interested to hear a little bit about a little more uh, when you go to these uh, conferences or to the Benny I don't know uh, what do you call it? crusade or well, or conferences conferences yeah conferences.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah
0: so when you go there and to all these different places uh, are they trying to pray over you are they trying to pray for healing over you do they do they see you or is more like you're just standing in the background where nobody can really see you
1: yeah um yeah they they do try to pray for me uh <laughs> pretty regularly actually uh I'll have people come up to when I go to a like a southwest believers convention Kenneth Copeland's big annual shindig or uh been to Lakewood church Joel Osteen's church mm-hmm. a couple of times and uh, yeah so whenever I get a chance to go to one of these things if it's close by I, I try to go and um in fact just a few months ago I was at Andrew Womack's Mm-hmm. outfit, uh, Karis Bible College in near Colorado Springs. And, and I had a couple of students there w- want to pray for me. And uh, I always turn them down. Uh, I graciously turn them down because we're on very, very different pages. And I'm not going to enter into a, a spiritual enterprise like prayer, which is what that is, of course, uh, with someone that I'm not on the same page with. Mm-hmm. I mean, word of faith theology—that's a different gospel. It's a different Jesus and a different gospel. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm not going. I, I graciously declined. I said, "That's okay." Um, yeah. I have prayed for my healing before; many thousands of others have. And I said, "But I'm I'm quite content with God's providence in my life." And so, so I decline their, their
0: prayers. Really cool. yeah. yeah. So, what do you do then when you go there? When you go to these conferences? like, what is the main goal? What are you doing when you sit there? I mean, I can't possibly imagine having to say like, I've been to, uh, to a charismatic church and, uh, once with someone, you know, family member, and it wasn't easy to sit there, um, and hearing the things that they were saying of God's word and just, you know, the heresy. Uh, so what do you do when then, when you go to this conferences?
1: Yeah. So, uh, of course I don't go for edification. I I go to, uh, for information I go and, uh, I I want to get in the trenches. I want to, I don't, you know, I I teach against this movement all over the world and I don't want it to only be, um, an intellectual exercise. I, I want to get down into the trenches. I want to go to these things, see it for myself, experience it for myself, take notes, um, record some things. Uh, but also, Arlie, I want to talk to people.
0: Mm. I want to
1: talk to people. And it's it's a wonderful witnessing opportunity because when these people come up to me and say, you know, God's shown me, I've had so many people say, God's shown me that you're too young to be in that wheelchair. <laughs> and uh, so it opens up witnessing opportunities for me. I can yeah. I can actually share the gospel with them, engage them in conversation. Wow. And uh, I'll, I'll go... Talk to people that are in wheelchairs, Mm -hmm. talk to them and, um, and just lovingly share the truth of God's word to them, that they are being deceived Mm -hmm. by false teachers. Um, the false teachers as Jude writes in, in his book, next to last book in the new Testament, the Bible, uh, Jude says that false teachers are, uh, they care only for themselves yeah, and that is so true. Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen they they don't care about you. They yeah. care only about themselves. And uh, they are these people and are being told that if they, as long as they have enough faith, they'll be healed. And if they give money, they sow seed to these preachers. I mean, it's 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 so tragic, Arlie, because so many of these people are poor, and yet they give money that they don't have to preachers who are gazillionaires flying around in private jets living in, like Jesse Duplantis has a 35,000 square foot home, which I can't even wrap my mind around. Wow. Yeah, 35,000. They have private jets, they have, you know, fancy boats and fancy cars and, you know, $10,000 suits and all this kind of stuff. So it's, uh, so I I try to talk with them and and share with them the the truth of the gospel because most of these folks they don't, they don't understand the gospel.
0: Yeah.
1: They've been taught a false gospel. And so these are wonderful witnessing opportunities and, you know, they see me, they see that I'm in a, in a wheelchair myself. And so in God's providence, that um, opens a lot of doors for me because I've, I've got a little, I don't know how to word it, maybe street cred or so. you know, when it comes to this issue.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and people, I know what you mean by that. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, uh, with my friend uh, that I was telling you, she was born like that also. And uh, she is, I mean, I admire just like, you know, the strength that the Lord has given her. She's only like in her early 30s. Um, and she traveled with me. She, it was her first time going to outside the United States. So we went on vacation together to my country. And I got to, you know, show her around, spend time with my family. And you wouldn't believe how many opportunities we got to, you know, with my grandfather and his wife and people who will be like, you know, and they're mostly Catholic. So for them, their mentality is like, oh, look at this person going through such a hard, you know, trial. She's going to have a place in heaven just because of her, you know, disability, just because of what, how they see her like, oh, you have a perfect place in heaven or you are Lenny's for serving her you all it's like an angel I'm like no that's not that's not true you know like we are sinners and we need Christ and 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 she is joyful not not because of anything else but it's because of Christ alone that you are able to see her as that joyful person that everyone you know when they see her they always talk about it like she has the biggest smile and she's like so joyful all the time so really great encouragement you know so I know what you're what you're referring to. It's just amazing yeah. to see how the Lord uses that for opportunity to share Christ with those, yeah. you know, around us. And yeah. and for you, that's a mission field right there. Yeah. <laughs> sure.
1: Oh, it is. Yeah. And I'm uh yeah, that's so encouraging to hear that, Arlie. That uh, warms my heart. And and yeah, i by God's grace, my handicap has given me so, so many witnessing opportunities. Uh it's just yeah, I sometimes feel a little guilty because I feel like I'm at a, at a great advantage over other people. Sometimes in sharing the gospel, because it just kind of naturally happens. Um, yeah, because of my handicap, it just kind of leads to that pretty quickly a, a lot of times. So
0: I thank the Lord for that, right? For the opportunities, <laughs> He is the one who gives even the opportunities. So I, I want to go back to you were saying that before you uh, the Lord saved you, you met your wife, right, and you guys got married. So how did you, can you share a little bit about that, how you met your wife and, um, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. We met at an evangelism conference in California. Uh, Kathy is originally from Montana. I'm originally from Mississippi. We met in California. Wow. And, uh, so it was a very providential thing. She was attending a, an evangelism conference with one of her friends named Vicki. In fact, it was a living waters, uh, kind of, uh, ambassadors training academy back then they called it. And so, Uh, They were there, and I wasn't even at that conference. I was at a different church doing a, uh, well, back then, I didn't call it clouds without water. I called it a call for discernment back then, but um, Mm -hmm. at a different church, but a friend of mine at the conference that Kathy was attending heard that I was in the area, and so he called me and asked me to just drop by for a couple of hours just to say hi, so I did, and I met Kathy there, and.
0: So what Uh, (laughs) happened? Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
1: I was I was struck by her right off the bat, and uh, she was not struck by me uh, at all. Um, In fact, barely even talked to her. I talked more to her friend Vicky, but I was I was interested in Kathy. Yeah. And um, so anyway, kind of a you know I left, and uh, long story short, I I contacted the organizer of the conference, and said, Hey man, I, I, I met this lady. Can you, you still have her contact information in your records Can to get her email address. And, and about that time, her friend Vicki emailed me uh, to just thank me because she had kind of heard of, of my ministry a little bit. And um, anyway, I, long story short, I ended up finally getting Kathy's email address wow. and I emailed her and she emailed back still initially not thinking anything not interested in me at all, but, um, somehow the Lord changed her, uh, changed her heart towards me. And, and, uh, yeah, we started dating and, and ended up getting married. And it's interesting, Arlie, because, you know, when we, Kathy's very sound, very, she was saved out of Roman Catholicism. Hmm. And shortly after her conversion, uh, she stumbled onto John MacArthur stumbled, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> very providential. Yeah. And when that was the first time she had heard true preaching and she just latched onto it. And I, uh, I, sometimes I, I call John MacArthur, I call him her, her daddy duck. That's the thing we had, that's what we call it. Cause you know how little, little baby ducks, you know, when they hatch, the first thing they see, that's their mama, you know, they yes. imprint, <laughs> you know, it could be a dog or a moose or whatever, but whatever they see, you know, that becomes their mama. And so I kind of, Jokingly referred to John MacArthur as Kathy's daddy duck. So he imprinted on him, <laughs> just soaked up all of his teaching, read all of his books, called up the ministry. Uh, this was early, early in her conversion, mm. and uh, called up Grace to you and asked him, Do you have a catalog of your resources? And he said, Yes, we do. And she said, Well, please send me a catalog. So they sent her a catalog. She got the catalog, looked at it in the mail. She called him back. She said, I want everything in your catalog. And so oh, wow. they they literally sent her these giant boxes full of uh, at the at the time was cassette tapes.
0: Yeah, yeah. There.
1: And um, so Kathy really knows her stuff; she's very sound. Um, mm. But in our in our in the year or so that we dated before we got married, year and a half, I guess, um, she knew she could tell something was not right with me. But mm. she assumed I was a Christian. And I, I thought I was, but I, I wasn't really, uh, yeah. but, uh, she could tell I didn't, I didn't really understand what repentance was just by the conversations we had. But so, um, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that she ended up marrying me because I, she was way ahead of where I was way ahead. But, um, but by God's grace, he used her and, uh, we, we, we ended and we did get married. And shortly after that is when my conversion was.
0: How long have you guys been married already?
1: We have been married. uh, Next month will be 12 years.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Praise the Lord, and just to see the Lord's providence, right? To pro- you know, provide a wife for you <laughs> in yes. a place outside your home, <laughs> not yeah, even in right. your hometown. So just to see God's providence, right? That we have no control even on that. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So now moving forward to uh, your ministry, the Justin Peters ministry. How do you begin this ministry? And tell tell me a little bit about what is the goal? What are you guys doing through this ministry?
1: Yeah. Um, it, it, it was really just kind of, um, I never even, I've never done any advertising really. It's just kind of happened. Uh, churches saw the subject matter that I was dealing with prosperity gospel. And there's, of course it's a huge issue. And, and so churches began to invite me to come and teach, uh, against that movement. And of course my seminar, the PowerPoint with the videos that I have of all these individuals. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, and and it's just kind of happened um i never i never call a church and ask them can i come preach um invitations just come in and and uh it is i've now preached i think in 29 different countries 28 or 29 different countries uh many of those countries multiple times so i've i've been all over the world uh teaching on this and And sadly, the word of faith movement, the prosperity gospel is bad of a problem as it is here in the United States. It's even worse. It's way worse in other parts of the world.
0: Yeah.
1: Way worse in Central and South America. Uh, What country are you from, Arlene?
0: I am from the Dominican Republic. And uh, yeah, they are Dominican Republic. Yeah. But I definitely have friends all over Latin America and yeah. yeah, and that's one of the things that I hear about just yeah. how bad it is, like how how bad it is, and even in those yeah. countries, yeah,
1: yeah, it is. I'm not been to the DR, but but um, yeah, I've been to Central and South America and Africa. It just Africa is the worst. I think Africa is the worst. It just saturates African countries. And wow. so um, the Word of Faith is not my only interest. A lot of people think that that's all I ever do. <laughs> that is that does constitute most of the invitations I get mm-hmm. to to come and teach but uh, but not all of them uh, my first love is expository preaching that's what I'm committed to uh, in fact here in a in a week a week from a week from today I actually I'll be landing in Finland and I'll be teaching in yeah. a conference there and I'm not doing word of faith stuff I'll just be preaching so Great, too. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have something a little bit different than word of faith all the time.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so, do you, so then uh, through your ministry. Then uh, you are invited by other churches. You go and you preach, and you're also teaching against the word of faith movement. And um, is there anything else within your ministry that you guys are doing, or do you have like any goals like for your for for your, for, for your ministry?
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, Word of Faith is most of it. Uh, I've got a DVD that has my seminar on and I've written a book on the Word of Faith movement that is actually, I don't have it out in English yet, but it's been translated into Russian, Chinese, Ukrainian, and Mm -hmm. several other languages are in the works. So um, that's really encouraging and and thousands of those are are being printed, even as we speak, are are being printed and going out uh, all over the place. But uh, I have written another book that is in English that I mentioned earlier in the the interview entitled Do Not Hinder Them, A Biblical Examination of Childhood Conversion. So not at all related to Word of Faith. Um, So that's available. Uh, I've got uh, a lot of different teachings on a lot of different subjects, attributes of God, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, things like that. So those those, uh, are available as well. And I have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. that has grown uh, a lot I, I tell people I barely know what I'm doing on YouTube I don't have any <laughs> of the the fancy graphics although the fanciest graphic I have uh you helped me with the little intro that I have now my little oh, five yeah. second intro yeah, <laughs> yeah so, Zach
0: uh, praise the Lord for Zach yeah, uh, yeah. he's a uh, one of my colleagues uh, who works with me and Grace Productions he's so talented I was like can you help me with this? Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. he was so quick. He was so talented just to see the Lord using even, you know, his talents, but yeah, he did an yeah. amazing job.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I have, uh, I have that graphic now and it's a little animated graphic. And so I feel like I'm kind of like all professional now. So I feel
0: like <laughs> it, it feels I'm a little bit more it. professional, right? When you just yeah. put a graphic there. <laughs> I know. Right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my YouTube channel has, has grown. Uh, it's got, I think 160,000 subscribers. And so, um, yeah, it's just, that's all of the Lord doing that. So
0: yeah, you had a I wonderful interview with Pastor John. <laughs> uh, they're in oh, Shepherds yeah. Conference. So uh, that was, and I, I'm, I'll make sure to include that in specifically because I, I remember when okay. I was there. Um, so, and I will put the link also to your YouTube channel. So yeah. that people can, it's just in Peter's ministries, right?
1: Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was a, that was one of the highlights of my ministry uh, thus far is to be able to interview John MacArthur. I just have such love for him and such appreciation, yeah. and I know he hears that all the time, but uh, but it's it's true.
0: And it he watches true. your channel too, so he he's watching your your videos, right? Because you will find out that day.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that I know, know. <laughs> that that was such a shock to me. And he says he watches my YouTube channel. Like yeah.
0: really, you <laughs> do? Wow. <laughs> I know uh, I remember how shocked you were <laughs> like oh I didn't even yeah, know that Pastor I John was like you know browsing around on YouTube like that's, that's a social media so <laughs> I didn't yeah,
1: know. I, I know I was I was I was stunned, but honored at the same time so
0: yeah, yeah. so Please. and you're currently live in Montana right
1: yes uh-huh
0: and yep, you guys are in the church that you go to there do you are you guys like uh serving in any way in that church uh you're your wife
1: yeah, no, not, not in an official capacity, okay. mainly because, um, but I do travel quite a bit yeah. and because of my schedule, I'm, I'm not gone all the time, but I'm gone a lot of the Sundays. And because of that, I'm not able to like teach a, you know, a six month course or something like that. So it's just my travel is too sporadic and uneven,
0: yeah.
1: but, um, but we do go and it's, it's always good to to be, when I'm not on the road, it's good to be in a home church and and have that that fellowship and and accountability. It's very important.
0: Yeah. So, and you say that you're going to be in Philly, right? So what else is coming next for you guys within your um, ministry?
1: Uh, Yeah, still a number of domestic engagements I have this year. I'll be in Texas and Oklahoma and uh florida later in the year so i'll be all over but uh, also i'll be going to brazil mm. in late august i'll be going to brazil and then in november i'll be going to madagascar
0: wow so okay th-
1: that'll be a big trip
0: <laughs> this is a very uh busy year for you <laughs> definitely it is no it is gonna it be me.
1: a busy year yes yeah. yes it is so yeah so traveling preaching teaching doing my youtube channel and well, yeah stay busy Praise the Lord so, well yeah writing projects <laughs> as they come up so.
0: yeah yeah, so with everything that the Lord has um uh, allow you to do you know uh, the different i mean ministries that you're able to do and uh, the Sharing the gospel with so many different people, you know, how the Lord is using uh, what many will consider like, no, you need healing from that. Let me pray it over, but the Lord, how he's using that for his glory. Um, And I know that all of that in the end of the day is to honor Christ and that Christ will be known through everything that you do. But um, I think we can also say that many people have been impacted by your ministry and uh, having blessed the Lord has used your ministry tremendously for so many of us, Um, what would you like to be remembered by, by the end of your life?
1: Honestly, I just want to be remembered as faithful to the gospel. Uh, Not, not only in the content of what I teach, but also in how I carry myself, how I, you know, comport myself uh, I want to I want to bring honor to Christ. That that really is my highest desire. I know it probably sounds like a Sunday school answer, but it's but it's true. In in both what I teach and how I carry myself, I want to reflect well on Christ. And however much time the Lord has for me left on earth, I want to. That's what I want to be remembered for: by serving Him, mm-hmm. and because uh, that's. That's, that's what matters. I mean, this, the older I get, I'm 49 now, the, the older I get, the, the less grip I have on this earth. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I, I, the more aware I am that this is not my home and uh, I have all of eternity to, to live with Christ and be in fellowship with him, be in awe of him. And so I want to be found faithful here. And so I will have as few regrets as possible, I suppose, when I, when I leave this earth and stand before him. Amen. So.
0: Well, now I would like to jump to my signature questions for the podcast, <laughs> just okay. those three questions. <laughs> so any books, uh, any favorite books that you have or, ho- or books that have been helpful for you?
1: Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I love uh, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. That is a, a very, very helpful book in, in understanding the atonement, redemption accomplished and applied. And also, I actually have it here. I'm, I'm reading it for the, I think for the third time, but. Um,
0: oh, okay. Oh yeah, I can see it. it. By
1: J.C. Ryle. J.C. Ryle on holiness. Uh, what a what a great book. What a fantastic book. And uh, the body of divinity. That's a classic. That's That's one of my favorites. So yeah. I like a I like a lot of the dead guys, <laughs> but but yeah. uh, you know MacArthur is also I mean he's he's written some of my favorite books as well Gospel according to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and um, oh the I can see it in my mind's eye uh, uh, our sufficiency in Christ mm-hmm. by John MacArthur it's not one of his more well known books but boy what a great book that is our yeah. sufficiency in Christ so.
0: Wonderful. All right. What are okay. three things that bring you joy? Three things that bring you joy.
1: Oh, uh, my salvation—the gift of salvation. My wife, and and seeing seeing the light come on with people. Um, seeing with some their conversion, but also. Uh, when I when people email me or I talk to people and they will tell me how the Lord has used by his grace has used my teaching to help them understand the truth and they see the error they were in and God uses that to deliver them out of error into the truth and what a difference that makes in their lives that really blesses me that really blesses me and encourages me kind of keeps me going so I, I love to see I love to see the Holy Spirit do what he actually does and that is delivering people out of deception that's what he really does that's that's the true work of the Holy Spirit not not angel feathers and gold dust falling out of the sky and making people shake and jerk and speak in unintelligible gibberish that's not what the Holy Spirit does the Holy Spirit is, is, is so much I mean he, he his work is so much more glorious than that, he delivers people out of deception. So, yeah, that brings me joy,
0: amen. And well, now talking about Jesus, um, I always like to ask my my guests also, you know, we talk about Jesus, Jesus, that, Jesus, that, and you know, if there is anyone who is not a believer, probably listening, uh, why is it that we talk so much about this, Jesus? Why do we need Jesus Christ? Do we need Jesus for? healing? Do we need Jesus just for, as my genie, um, you know, to make my wish come true, or, and then if it doesn't work, then I just put it aside. Why do we all need Christ, believers and unbelievers?
1: Yes, Uh, well, unbelievers, they need Christ for forgiveness of their sin. They are, unbelievers are dead in trespasses and sins. The wages of sin is death. If they die in that state, they will very rightly and very justly go to a very real place that the Bible calls hell. Where the worm will not die, the fire will not be quenched, wailing, weeping, gnashing of teeth. The full uh, undiluted fury of God's wrath will be poured out on them for all of eternity. And so they, unbelievers, need Jesus as their Savior. Savior from, from death, from hell uh, and, and savior from their sins, uh, as believers, those of us who do know Christ as savior and Lord, um, well, we need him for the same reason. I I mean, but we're on, on the other side of, of the cross, so to speak. So our, our sins have been washed away, but we need him for, for everything. We, uh, we need his sufficient grace as Paul spoke about in second Corinthians 12. We we need him as our the, the sole object of our love and devotion and worship uh, to live a, a life of obedience to him. He is he is everything to us as believers. Life would have absolutely no meaning without Christ. We need Christ for an abundant life, John 10, 10. But an abundant life doesn't mean health and wealth and riches. That's not... Um, when you look through the New Testament, you look at the lives of the apostles. They weren't living their best life. Now they weren't living in the lap of luxury. Um, they were all martyred for their faith in Christ. They were executed for their faith in Christ. You look at the hardships that Paul went through. Second Corinthians eleven, beginning of verse twenty-three, there through uh, twenty-three through twenty-eight, just this long list of horrific hardships. He says dangerous rivers. Dangers from robbers, dangers from the, my countrymen, dangers from, um, they said a night and day I spent in deep, uh, lashed, I mean, just horrific trials and yeah. hardships. So, I mean, looking at that, you might think, oh, that's not, uh, that's not the abundant life, but that was the abundant life because it is through those hardships and trials and persecutions that we glorify Christ the most. Yes. So that is the abundant life. Peter uh, Peter was having the abundant life when he was being crucified upside down. Horrific, ghastly, unimaginable, excruciating pain. And yet that is the abundant life when we glorify Christ through our sufferings. And in fact, Paul says in Philippians 29, he says, for to you, it has been granted not only to believe in Christ, but to suffer yeah. for his sake. Not many people think of suffering in terms of a privilege, but it is. It's mm-hmm. a privilege. It's something that is granted to us. And it is through the sufferings that, that we are more conformed to the image of Christ. But also it's through those sufferings that we bring mm-hmm. the most glory to Christ. Yeah. And that, that is the abundant life. Mm-hmm. That's the abundant
0: life. So Amen.
1: he's everything. He's everything. He's he's our reason for living. So
0: yeah, thank you so much for that. And what a honor it's been just to get to know you more and uh, just hear what the Lord has done and it's still doing in your life. And um, I hope that you know, for anyone who doesn't know Christ, that they will see their need for a Savior. Uh, it's not that you come to Jesus and you will have a happy life, like you said. No you must be willing to suffer for Christ. In fact, you must be willing to lay down your life for Christ if the time comes, right? That I That's do. requested from us. Yes. Uh, brother, thank you so much for joining me. And it, it's just been a joy to to have you here. And I hope to have you back. Uh, maybe something else, Q&A or something. Sure. <laughs> I normally I'll ask my guests. <laughs> okay. uh, but before uh, we end, will you mind just closing us in prayer? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Father, thank you for this time and opportunity to fellowship around Your Word. I pray that Christ was glorified in our conversation. I pray that for all listening, that the truth that was presented that would nourish their their souls. I pray that it would be food to them. I pray that that Your Holy Spirit would illumine the meaning of Your Word to all of our hearts and minds, and in so doing, we would understand your word better, understand you better, and live a life of obedience to the glory of Christ our King. It's in his name we pray. Amen.